Chapter Four of The Shadow of a Sin by Bertha M. Clay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four. Having acquainted her young relative with the prospective arrangement she had made for her, Lady Vaughan composed herself to sleep, and Hyacinth quietly left the room. She dared not stop to think until she was outside the door in the free, fresh air. The walls of the old house seemed to stifle her. Her young soul was awakened, but it rose in a hot glow of rebellion against this new device of fate. She, to be taken abroad and offered meekly to this gentleman, if he liked her, they were to be married, if not, with the sense of failure upon her, she would have to return to the chase. The thought was intolerable. Was this the promised romance of her life? It is not fair, cried the girl passionately, as she paced the narrow garden paths. It is not just. Everything has liberty, love, and happiness. Why should not I? The birds love each other, the flowers are happy in the sun. Why must I live without love, or happiness, or brightness? I protest against my fate. Were all the thousand tender and beautiful longings of her life to be thus rudely treated? Was all the poetry and romance she had dreamed of to end in cultivating a kindly liking and a diplomatic marriage? Oh, no, it could not be! She shed passionate tears. She prayed in her wild fashion, passionate prayers. Better for her a thousand times had she been commonplace, unromantic, prosaic. Better that the flush of youth and the sweet longings of life had not been hers. Then a break came in the clouds, a change that was to be most fatal to her. One of the families with whom Sir Arthur and Lady Vaughan were most intimate was that of old Colonel Lennox of Oakton Park. Colonel Lennox and his wife were both old, but one day they received a letter from Mrs. Lennox, their sister-in-law, who resided in London, saying how very pleased she should be to pay them a visit with her son, Claude. Mrs. Lennox was very rich. Claude was heir to a large fortune. Still, she thought Oakton Park would be a handsome addition, and it would be just as well to cultivate the affection of the childless uncle. Mrs. Lennox and Claude came to Oakton, solemn dinner parties, at which the young man, with difficulty, concealed his annoyance were given in their honour, and at one of these entertainments Hyacinth and Claude met. He fell in love with her. In those days she was beautiful as the fairest dream of poet or artist. In the fresh spring tide of her young loveliness, she was something to see and remember. She was tall, her figure slender and girlish, full of graceful lines and curves that gave promise of magnificent womanhood. Her face was of oval shape, the features were exquisite, the eyes of the darkest blue, with long lashes, her lips were fresh and sweet. Her mouth was the most beautiful feature in her beautiful face. It was sweet and sensitive, yet at times slightly scornful. The teeth were white and regular. The chin was faultless, with a pretty dimple in it. It was not merely the physical beauty, the exquisite features and glorious colouring that attracted. There were poetry, eloquence, and passion within these. Looking at her, one knew instinctively that she was not of the common order, that something of the poet and genius was there. Her brow was fair and rounded at the temples, giving a great expression of ideality to her face. Her fair hair, soft and shining, seemed to crown the graceful head like a golden diadem. Claude Lennox, in his half-selfish, half-chivalrous way, fell in love with her. He said something to Lady Vaughan about her one day, and she gave him to understand that her granddaughter was engaged. She did not tell him to whom, nor did she say much about it, but the few words piqued Claude who had never been thwarted in his life. 
on the first day they met his mother had warned him not to fall in love with the beautiful girl who might be an heiress or might have nothing to remember that in his position he could marry whom he would and not to throw himself away lady vaughan too on her side seemed much disposed to forbid him even to speak to hyacinth if he proposed calling at queen's chase she either deferred his visit or took good care that hyacinth should not be in the way and all this she did as she believed unperceived it was evident that sir arthur also was not pleased though the old gentleman was too courtly and polished to betray his feeling openly in the matter he did not like lord lennox and the young man felt it one day he met the two young people together in a sequestered part of the chase grounds and though he did not utter his displeasure the stern angry look that he gave claude fully betrayed it hyacinth whose glance had fallen to the ground in a sudden accession of shyness that she scarce understood at her grandfather's approach did not see his set stern face nor did sir arthur speak to her of the matter on talking it over to lady vaughan the two old people concluded that a show of open opposition might awaken a favour toward claude in the young girl's heart to which it was yet a stranger and they contented themselves with throwing every possible obstacle in the way of the young people's intercourse this was in this case mistaken policy if the old gentleman had spoken he might have saved hyacinth from unspeakable misery and his proud old name from the painful shadow of disgrace that a childish folly was to bring upon it the young girl stood greatly in awe of her grandfather but she respected him and in a way loved him through her fears and she was now being led step by step into folly through her own ignorance of its nature claude lennox was piqued he was young rich and handsome he had been eagerly sought by fashionable mothers he knew that he could marry lady constance granville any day that he liked he had more than a suspicion that the pretty coquettish fashionable young widow mrs delamere liked him lady crown harley had almost offered him her daughter was he to be defied and set at naught in this way he a lennox come of a race who had never failed in love or war no it should never be he would win hyacinth in spite of all he disarmed suspicion by ceasing when they met to pay her any particular attention his lady mother congratulated herself she retired to london leaving her son at oakton park he said his visit was so pleasant that he could not bring it to a close the colonel delighted with his nephew entreated him to stay and claude said smiling to himself that he had a fair field and all to himself his love for hyacinth was half selfish half chivalrous it was pique and something like resentment that made him first of all determined to woo her but he soon became so interested that he believed his life depended on winning her she was so different from other girls she was child poet and woman she had the brightest and fairest of fancies she spoke as he had never heard any one else speak as though her lips had been touched with divine fire fortune favoured him he went one morning to the chase and found sir arthur and lady vaughan at home alone he did not mention hyacinth's name but as he was going out he gave one of the footmen a sovereign and learned from him that miss vaughan was walking alone in the wood she had complained of a headache and my lady had sent her out into the fresh air of course he followed her and found her he made such good use of the hour that succeeded that she promised to meet him again he was very careful to keep her attention fixed on the poetry of such meetings he never hinted at the wrong of concealment the dishonour of anything clandestine the beauty of obedience he talked to her only of love and of how he loved her 
and longed to make her his wife she was very young very impressionable very romantic he succeeded completely in blinding her to the harm and wrong she was doing but he could not win from her any acknowledgment of her love she enjoyed the break in the dull monotony of her life she enjoyed the excitement of having to find time to meet him she liked listening to him she liked to hear him praise her beauty and rave about his devotion to her but did she love him not if what the poets wrote was true not if love be such as they describe end of chapter four